0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada suspends flights arriving from Pakistan and India. Given the higher number of cases of COVID-19 detected in air passengers arriving in Canada from India and Pakistan, Transport Canada is issuing a notice to airmen or NOTAM to halt direct passenger air traffic from those countries. An apology from Doug Ford. Simply put, we got it wrong. We made a mistake. These decisions, they left a lot of people very concerned. In fact, they left a lot of people angry and upset. And the Prime Minister commits the country to a new climate target. When Canadians elected
1: us five years ago, our emissions were projected to keep rising through 2030. But with hard work and a solid plan, Canada is now on track to blow past our old target, Of 30% reduction below 2005
0: levels. It's Friday, April 23rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. Althea, thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Well, thank you, Mark, for having me.
0: So, Canada is banning flights from India and Pakistan for a month and. It's interesting to see this happen because it looked like for a while the federal government was very reluctant to do this, despite the rising number of cases in those countries of the variants of the coronavirus. What do you think changed?
2: Yeah, they seemed to be signaling last week that they had no intention on moving on this. But then as the week progressed, uh, they seemed to be signaling that they might change their mind, like they announced um I think it was on Wednesday that they were studying the issue, uh, that Dr. Tam had been tasked kind of with doing a, a risk assessment. I think what mostly changed is uh, pressure from opposition, uh, federally here in Ottawa, and also from the Premier. I mean, we saw Premier Legault and Premier Ford write a letter uh, to to the government insisting that something be done to curb international fights. It didn't single... Out, uh, you know, like ban all flights from Pakistan and India. Um, but they suggested more needed to be done on that, and more needed to be done on the Canada-US border because people are choosing to pay fines instead of going into quarantines. There are still, you know, thousands of people every day flocking into this country from abroad. Even the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, the former Ontario PC leader. Um, called on the federal government to close down the country's largest airport, Pearson International Airport. So there was mounting pressure on the government to do something, and I think the lesson that the liberals had learned over the past 12 months is it's better to do more uh, than to do less, and that the criticisms that have um Continue to percolate has been that they were slow. You know, they were slow on mask adoption. They were slow on quarantines. They were slow in recognizing this virus was a threat to begin with. And so I think that they may be trying to rectify a little bit of that. This, the 30 days is longer than we saw them enact, um, when they, uh, banned flights in the UK, for example. Um, and so we heard Omar Gabra the transport minister, say that they wanted to offer trans, um, travelers certainty but also that they wanted to take the appropriate steps uh, to evaluate, like give it time to see if it is working and that that 30 days may actually be extended.
0: And do you think there is more of an emphasis now on taking more severe action? Um, I think a lot of what we've seen from the federal government and from provincial governments over the course of the last 13 months has been trying to balance the, the approach and, and, and I think a lot of people are frustrated that we're more than a year into this and and in a lot of parts of the country particularly Ontario there were the number of cases is higher than ever so uh, after all the inconvenience uh, we're not that much further ahead so do you think there's a there's a, an impetus now to be a little bit more de- decisive and lock down a little more harshly
2: um I think that's a little bit about that. I think mostly, though, the new variants have people spooked. I think the third waves. I mean, you look at Ontario and you kind of get the impression that the Ford government was caught flat-footed, that they didn't maybe believe the expert advice they were getting about the potential um, spread of the variants. And what we know from the example in India is that, you know, just like a few months ago, we were talking about, like, isn't India wonderful? There's like so few cases of COVID. How is this possible? And now they have a super variant that seems to be resistant uh, to the vaccines, and if you know if that uh, variant gets a foothold in this country, and frankly, it already has, because there's almost 40 cases in BC, there's a case in Alberta, there's a case in Quebec. You know, stopping that from becoming like. the the dominant variant we've seen with the brazilian variant uh in bc uh and then uk variant here in ontario and quebec i think that has really propelled people to act quickly because if we have a a variant that um is resistant to the vaccines then we're no better off than we were uh just a few months ago right i think the way to understand this one of the health experts explained this to me is it's basically a different disease Right, the variants are, it's like a different disease, so you have to treat it differently. Hmm. And we have, to, we have to shift our thinking that it's all COVID and think like it's a, it's a really more serious, more severe, more concerning strain. And we're a kind of, in a way where it's like if you're playing snakes in the ladder, it's like, we're, we've taken the snake and we're all the way back at the beginning. Sounds depressing. I'm yeah, sorry. This means okay.
0: Friday. <laughs> well, and look, we just mentioned Ontario, and yesterday Doug Ford apologized and talked about things like paid sick leave, which is something that people have been calling for in the province for a long time, and the government's been reluctant to address, and they've even said it's not necessary. Now they're saying they want to look at it. Um it was a, a little bit emotional from Doug Ford after a really bad week for him where he introduced new measures, then backed down on some of them. Um, and so what do you make of all of that at this really interesting juncture in the fight against the coronavirus?
2: Yeah, it's the first time we heard the Premier of Ontario speak since last Friday when he um, introduced these measures where he had to um, reverse himself 24 hours later. Uh, when it came to uh, these new powers that he had given police. And apparently police in Ontario did not want to have these powers to arrest anybody and ask them why they were on the streets and (laughs) why they weren't home and what their home address was. Um, He was emotional. Um, He uh, seemed to be um, fighting back tears when he spoke about um, the stories that he had heard about people being unable to say goodbye to their loved ones in the hospital. I think it is it's good for uh, residents everywhere to see their political leader is um, show humanity that you know what you're struggling with your leader um, empathizes with that struggle that they're aware of that struggle I think however um what he the words that he said aside from saying that he took responsibility did not show that really the premier ventura understands what is going on and why people are upset you know people are not upset that um he reversed himself on shutting down uh, playgrounds and they're generally not the primary reason they're not upset that he reversed himself um or he even thought that uh giving this new mandate to police officers um was the right thing. It's just that the Premier of Ontario seems to be focusing on uh, the wrong solutions um, for the problem at hand. And he seems to not be listening to expert advice, advice that has repeatedly told him that he should be enacting sick days so that essential workers stay home and do not go work in workspaces where there have been COVID outbreaks. And now what we're seeing is in Toronto and the Peel region, a lot of those essential workers have caught the virus in their workplace and they've brought it home and entire families are landing in the hospital and people are dying. That is why people are upset. And the premier apologized for um, acting too much. No, like the people think that he's not acted enough, that he's right. not done enough. yeah, um, And that's what he should be apologizing for. So it it was kind of, it was it was odd you know i people i think will empathize with the premier but also it it seems like he's not recognizing the the problem at hand right. and how, what people feel yeah um he should be doing
0: all right let's turn to what should have been the big news of the day on thursday what people expected it to be which was new emissions targets for canada introduced by the federal government uh, a goal of cutting greenhouse gas emissions by up to 45 percent by 2030 um, uh, so what did you make of that and uh, and how, you know it's interesting how it got overshadowed by all this other news right mm. well it's
2: it's 40 to 45 percent mark so like the government's giving, giving itself a, a, a range yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
2: um well they needed to uh, make a serious commitment um at the summit they were under pressure from allies to do so um i think they were also perhaps pressured by the actions that Aaron o'toole the conservative leader took at the part um just is it two weeks ago now um when the conservatives released their climate plan not that the Conservatives' plan comes anywhere close to this but now we will have a conservative party fighting in the next election on a plan to meet our Paris climate targets. That is to be uh, to cut our greenhouse gas emissions from 30% below 2005 levels by 2030, and the Liberals are going to campaign on a plan to cut emissions between 40 to 45% and the NDP signaled that they're going to run on a plan to cut emissions by 50% and the greens will run on a plan to cut emissions by 60%. Um, so the liberals needed to do better than uh, where the conservatives were in the budget. I mean this is just a few days ago. Uh, the liberals signaled that they had a plan to get to 36% below 2005 levels. And the plan that they have released, um, like kind of the blueprint to their their roadmap to get to these ambitious targets, um, the the thirty percent below, and and maybe thirty six, get a little bit beyond, but not where they announced Thursday. Um, really, you know, we haven't met them yet. It's just the government has a plan to get us on the targets that they've already promised, and now they find themselves in this perfect goldilocks position where they. Um, have a plan that is better than the Conservative plan or more ambitious than the Conservative plan, uh, but less costly than what the NDP and the Greens will propose. But it is still a plan that has been uh, criticized heavily by environmentalists who believe the government should be doing a lot more to get to where we need to go, which is uh, you know, to prevent catastrophic climate change and basically people dying uh, much sooner. Uh, south of our border, but uh, still, you know, that will impact us in terms yeah. of climate refugees and whatnot. And so um, it is it is interesting. It is going to be costly. The Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson talked about, it's good to have ambitions. Sure, it's great to have ambitions. It's good to have goals, but these goals will require Canadians personally and businesses to go a lot farther to make more sacrifices and probably will cost the government a lot more money. Mm.
0: All right, Althea, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your insights on all of this. Have a great weekend.
2: Thank you very much. You too, Mark.
0: That's CBC at-issue panelist Althea Raj. I know we got it wrong. I know we made a mistake. And for that, I'm sorry, and I sincerely apologize. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At TVO.org, John Michael McGrath considers Doug Ford's apology. McGrath writes, when the public demands apologies, it's best for politicians to apologize. So good on Doug Ford for ripping off the Band-Aid. But apologies without change are meaningless. Whether the government can change, and whether it can change enough over the coming weeks and months to lead Ontario out of the crisis its own choices exacerbated will be an important question that only events can answer. But it will all come too late, because the crisis is here. At National News Watch, Bruce Campbell argues the budget falls dangerously short on climate action. Campbell writes, the federal budget made vital spending commitments as the pandemic shockwaves continue. But where is the roadmap to reduce Canada's carbon emissions? The snail space of action in the budget is out of step with the urgency of the climate crisis. Canada remains an outlier in the global effort to prevent the slide toward the climate abyss. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Waccombe argues the federal government is scrapping plans for PharmaCare because it wants to make peace with Big Pharma. Waccombe writes, The drug giants don't want Canada to develop a PharmaCare program. The ultimate effect would be to reduce the cost of any universal PharmaCare plan, and those savings would come at the expense of Big Pharma's profits. The pandemic changed the politics around multinational drug companies. Political leaders quickly realized that their fate relied, to a large extent, on their ability to deliver life-saving vaccines. In Canada, that meant staying on the good side of Big Pharma. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. A parliamentary committee... We'll hear from a number of health groups on the latest developments in the coronavirus pandemic in Canada. CPAC's Martin
1: Stringer has more. Mark, the House of Commons Health Committee continues its Friday meetings on the pandemic. Starting at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern today, MPs on the committee will hear from several major national health groups. Among them, they'll hear from Anne Collins, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Just one week ago, the CMA sent an open letter to the Prime Minister and his government saying that the worsening third wave calls for a new, more vigorous national strategy to fight the pandemic. Since then, the numbers continue to get worse in Ontario, but also in BC, Alberta and Saskatchewan. The number of infections is rising, but more worryingly is the steady climb in the number of seriously and critically ill Canadians. There are few people who aren't using the term crisis to describe the situation in Ontario as every day this week the province has surpassed previous records for the number of people hospitalized, in intensive care, or fighting for their lives on ventilators. Other witnesses before the committee today will include the head of the Federation of Canadian Nurses, and they're on the front line of this battle as well as people who will reflect on the other side of the health crisis, those medical interventions that are now increasingly being put off or affected by the pandemic. Representatives from the Canadian Cancer Society and the Canadian Mental Health Association will also appear before the committee. Thanks, Martin. Also today,
0: the Prime Minister will virtually attend the Leaders' Summit on Climate, along with Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson and the Minister of International Development, Karina Gould. He will then hold a news conference along with Procurement Minister Anita Anand to discuss the COVID-19 situation. The Prime Minister will also receive his first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine before he meets virtually with physicians, nurses and other primary care providers from the Mosaic Primary Care Network in Calgary. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will speak at an event hosted by the Cloverdale Chamber of Commerce. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne, Economic Development Minister Mélanie Joly, and Special Representative for the Prairies Jim Carr will meet with representatives from the University of Saskatchewan to discuss the biomanufacturing investment in the vaccine and infectious disease organization announced in the budget. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will take part in a virtual Q&A session with the Regroupement des Chambres de Commerce de la Mauricie. Minister of Middle Class Prosperity, Mona Fortier, will take part in a virtual event hosted by the Richmond Chamber of Commerce. Northern Affairs Minister, Daniel Vandal, will take part in a roundtable meeting with Northwest Territories partners and stakeholders to talk about the federal budget. And Infrastructure Minister, Catherine McKenna, will make an announcement about recreational and sports infrastructure in St. Apollinaire, Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, April 23rd. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns on Monday morning. Have a great weekend.